Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Roker Report podcast. I'm your host, James Copley, standing for Demo today, whose internet writer has blown up Joining me tonight, we have Gav, Jimmy and Connor. Connor, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, James? Not too bad, mate. Jimmy, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. A bit depressed. I'm going to have to talk about Simon Grayson for an hour, but apart from that, I can't complain. Well, we can't help that. Gav, what about you, mate? Tip top, mate. Tip top. Could have been worse. Could have got beat yesterday. Good stuff. And on to that, on Saturday, we faced Hull at the KCON Stadium, a 1-1 draw in which Simon Grayson's substitutions arguably cost us all three points. I'll throw it to you first, Jimmy, because you were at the game. What did you make of it? I just came away from the game really, really gutted, both of our approach and the result, really. It was one of those games where we looked like a team we'd lost four in a row. We started off really, really nervously. And then from nowhere, one good attacking mood, we got a goal. We played quite well up until half time. And then it was just, it was so utterly frustrating to watch just the way we sat back. Our refusal to press from minute one was just so, so annoying. I mean, it's the fear of losing that Simon Grayson has is the sort of thing that's going to cost you 10, 15 points over a season. He just, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how deep we dropped, how there were constant opportunities, especially in the first 20 minutes of the second half, for us to push up and put Hull under pressure. And he was so reluctant to do it. I mean, the substitutions were terrible, but the whole mentality that Grayson set that team out for was just awful. And it's just, it, yeah, I'm, I just, I can't really put into words how annoyed I was. I mean, within the game, there were lots of good performances. It was great to see James Vaughan score. But I just came away from the game utterly frustrated with the spinelessness of our manager. And it's really got me worried that this team that should be way too talented to drop into relegation fight could well go down. And a lot of it just comes from the cowardly manager that we've got in the dugout. I must confess, Jimmy, I was much like you Um I think I tweeted saying all this game needs is kind of a, a Fraser Campbell brace to send everybody home a bit uh, a bit miserable. And then we got the next best thing, which was David Miner scoring, assisted by Fraser Campbell, which was great. So, And it's kind of the second week in a row that an ex-Sunderland player scored against us. So it's, um, it's always nice. I'll throw it to Connor next, actually, because you were at the game. I think you even dragged your girlfriend along, so she deserves a, a special mention. How did you both find it? My last. She she enjoyed the first half actually, and she was like, "Hmm, who thought you know Sunderland?" I thought every time I text her after the game, she goes, "You got beat again." Yeah, we did. It's like you've been getting beat the whole relationship, and I was like, "I know." Um, and then she saw the first half, and she was like, "You know what? This is quite good." And then second half, she probably put it better than I could. She said it looked like we didn't want to score another goal. It looked like we didn't want to win, and I kind of agreed with that. Everyone in the away end could sort of see it. We only had one chance from memory second half with McManaman. Um, and he was the biggest threat we had. The substitutions, and we'll probably get on a bit later, but the substitutions were so questionable. Looking at players like Billy Jones coming on, like what what will Billy Jones do to the team? You know, he's a bit of an aerial threat from a corner, but apart from that, it just didn't seem to make any sense. Uh, I came away from the game, I wouldn't say as disappointed as I have been from previous ones, but it felt like a missed opportunity. They're a team that are in the same sort of dire straits as us, and we couldn't we couldn't kill them off, which frustrates us because I think we'll both be two sides. We'll be towards the bottom with good quality players, but seem to have rotten eggs within the club. So I, I was, I suppose I was pretty disappointed, but not as much as I had been from the previous two home games. 
Yeah, and we weren't really allowed um, a kind of foothold in the game in midfield. And I know um, Gav's got some quite strong points on this. He's been over Twitter and focusing on Lee Catamol and what he, he can and can't bring to the team. Gav, would you like to expand on that? Yeah, I, I guess in a way I've I've noticed particularly in the last two games, but maybe over since the season started, really, I thought uh, against Derby, Lee Catamol was quite good. But then since then, I'm, I'm starting to question what he actually does or what he brings to the team. We all speak about his leadership qualities and his ability to to drive a team on, but I'm not saying it at the minute. I mean, if 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 that's all he's good for, then he's certainly not bringing that to us because we sat so deep, so deep yesterday, and ultimately it affected affected the end result because we were we were that deep that we end up conceding. And I think when although it's, it's hard when a team's coming at you and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing to get you get you to sit deeper and and maybe soak up some of the pressure. I just felt as though that we needed the midfield just to to get the team out of it, get the team forward, maybe even put the put the pressure back on Hull. Uh, instead, we we didn't do it, and I'm noticing this to be an issue more and more when Catamol's in there. And I'm just wondering, uh, as much as I like the guy, I'm just wondering whether we're, we're going forward, it's maybe a chance to look at somebody else. I know people don't particularly like Rodwell, and uh, Grayson certainly does. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Rodwell maybe given a chance, but I would I would like to think he would maybe look more towards maybe Darren Gibson. I know he's not another another player who's not particularly, you know, shone since he came here, but he's still a, a player who played the majority of his career in the Premier League and by, you know, default he should he should be able to cope at this level, but we've not seen him given a run of games this season and I'm just wondering Although people are probably going to disagree with us, and I know Lee Catmull's got a lot of fans. I'm one of them. I'm, I'm a big fan of Lee Catmull, but I just worry that I worry that maybe he's not up to speed, or there's an issue there that's kind of holding him back. Because we're not seeing the Lee Catmull that we we all know and love. We're seeing one that's not really influencing games. One that's sitting far too deep. You know, his his passing range has generally been quite good over the years, but. Then we're seeing we're seeing him just not get on the ball, not influence games, not run games from the midfield, which is primarily why he's there. And I'm I'm hoping maybe over the coming weeks when we see players like Duncan Watmore back in the team and McGeady, that we might just try something else. Because I I, I did say this after last week's game. I think I think Catamol and Ndong are very similar players in what they bring to the team. That they're both there really primarily to win the ball back, and they're both there to to, to effectively to help press from the middle but I mean neither of them are, are offering anything up the pitch and then I'm just kind of worried that if we you know continue with the, with them as a, a middle two that we're not going to get the best out of the, the good attacking players we've got because really no, nobody's releasing the ball the forwards I mean other than when McManaman was putting the ball in the box yesterday we didn't we didn't supply much for Vaughan really I thought I thought he tried more than he usually does to to you know, get in amongst the centre halves and try and cause a bit of problem, and he and he did. To be fair to him, he, he could have had another goal when he when he raced through and he uh, robbed uh, Michael Heckler of the ball. He probably should have got his second of the afternoon, but that was that was him playing in a, in a slightly different way, probably more in the way that he did for Berry last year. And I just think that to get the best out of a striker, we can't keep bypassing midfield. We've got to put somebody in there who's going to hold on to the ball, who's going to influence the game for us. And then hopefully that leads to more goals and, and leads to better results because at the minute, sitting deep and soaking up pressure just is doing nothing for us. We saw it, we saw it yesterday, we saw it against Wed, uh, Chef Wed, but two games away from home where I feel we were pretty lucky to, to escape with a point despite leading. And I just wonder whether Simon Grayson's got the balls to make a decision like that because it's going to be a long old season if we keep persisting with the same systems and, and really thinking that that it's going to achieve anything other than the kind of performances that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So, Connor, I know you've got some um, contrasting opinions on it. Do you agree with Gav? Is it time we looked at somebody else? Maybe Gibson, given the chance, instead of Catamull? What do you make of it, Matt? There is an argument, certainly, that Lee Catamull isn't playing his best football. But the the central midfield, in general, seems to not be working. You've got Ndong, who I thought was actually playing better football last year. Uh, This year, he's he seems to give the ball away far more. And I don't know if I notice it more because we have the ball more, but he wins it back and is so wasteful when he has possession. And the problem might not lie necessarily with the players. It could maybe just be the fact that Grayson isn't uh, maybe coaching them or maybe is telling them to do different things. You know, you can't expect Lee Catamull, when he spent his whole career being a defensive midfielder, to suddenly be a, 
an attacking midfielder who's going to create and score goals. I think Gibson will probably offer goals, which is a positive because at the minute our centre midfield doesn't look like it'll score a goal. Uh, so there is obviously that we can take from it. I think Johnny Williams has added a bit of creativity in there. Again, he's a bit wasteful, but I think with game time, he'll get better. But Catamol, it's a it's a difficult issue because we all feel loyalty towards him because he's kind of shown loyalty to us after we've been down. He's one of the few players who said that you know he wants to fight to get back up to the Premier League and uh, really, really very much feel Catamol's passion, you know, and I feel it would be difficult to drop him because he seems to be everything that's kind of right with Sunderland and when there's so much going wrong with it. And that's why I would have hesitancy in dropping him. When he's fully fit, he's, he will be one of the best central midfielders in the league. I don't think he is fully fit. And I think the problem is, is whether or not you can keep him fit for the season. But if we can get a fully fit league Catamol going, then I don't think there should be any question that he should be in the start 11 every week. I think one of the big problems is just the lack of the quality of the alternatives. I mean, you look at how Gibson played for us at the back end of last season, sort of the games that he started, like Middlesbrough away. The guy's legs are just gone. He looks he looks terrible when he started for us last year. And Rodwell offers much less than Catamol, so I kind of feel we're stuck with him. I like the fact that Gav brought up how we set out against Sheffield Wednesday and sort of referenced that because I thought they were two very similar games where we got the old the early goal and then our manager lost his nerve. I don't think it's Catamol that's responsible for us responsible for us dropping deeply. I think it all comes down to the manager. There were times where fullbacks had the ball with the face throwing goal in their eighteen yard line and our wingers weren't allowed to go past the halfway line. Now that's not an instruction that's coming from anywhere else in the dugout. That's clearly how Grayson wants to sell his team. And to, to pin any of that on Catamol, I think is largely unfair. We've got a cautious negative manager that's, that's essentially holding the team back, that's restricting what the team can do, that's affecting our ability to get points, that's holding the team back, that's just really ruining the club, that's, that's really been quite awful. And to, and to sort of say that maybe that's Catamol, I do think he's lost a bit of athleticism. I do think he had a mixed day yesterday. But I think that our problems largely largely are on Grayson at the moment. I just think that he's setting the team out to be negative. He's the reason that our forward players are getting on the ball so little because he's so concerned with not losing. He's not giving us an opportunity to win games. And I think the way we're sitting back, that's that's on him. That's not on Lee Catamol. Interesting stuff. Uh, I do agree with uh, with most of, of what Jimmy says there. And I think... Uh, I think Connor said goals from Gibson might be able to inject a a threat going forward. But we haven't seen that at all so far in his whole career, never mind his Sunderland career. Um, And I think the alternatives, if we take Catamol out of the side, Rodwell, I don't think is going to do it. I'm not really sure about Gibson. And I agree that Grayson's getting it wrong at the moment. I think Catamol would be far better at the base of a three. Um, He said himself, uh, he he feels he's best when the team hasn't got the ball. He he feels he's better when, when he's winning the ball back, giving it to somebody that can play. I think uh, that would probably be a better role for uh, Catamol. I, I, I think he struggles playing in a two. Gav, uh, what have you got to say on Simon Grayson and his tactics? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Jimmy. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give Grayson some time. To, or certainly, I would like us as a collective group of fans to to give Grayson some time to to you know get the, the team playing that he wants them to. Clearly, they're not doing it at the minute, and I think he would like to have more width on the pitch because it, it ultimately that's what gets us up the, up the field we, we don't have McGeady at the minute I think what more coming back he's, he mentions him over and over and over every time he speaks to the press and I think he's got big plans for Duncan Watmore provided he comes back fit and I kind of get the feeling that Grayson might have us playing slightly differently once those players are back in the team because you've got to think the pace they'll bring to our attack we will be able to play a little bit deeper because on the counter we'll have the players to get forward at the minute, we're trying to do it with players like Graben and Vaughan leading the line, which, you know, you're not getting the same sort of attributes from a player like Graben or Vaughan than you would someone like Watmore hanging off their, their last man and, and trying to get him behind. And I think that's where somebody like Gibson would come in handy, I think. If you've got a player like Duncan Watmore, and we know what he can bring, yeah, granted, he's not a great dribbler of the ball. Um, his finishing leaves a little to be desired, but he... What more is a? I think he's a Premier League player. I think I think he's certainly got the attitude, and he's got the knowledge, and he's you know he's got the just something about Duncan Watmore where I feel like he he was always destined to to make it at the top. And a year out, going to have had its had its you know 
impact on his, on his ability, certainly. But I think the fact that Grayson brings him up so much makes just makes us feel as though that Watmore's return, imminent return, is is going to maybe see us set up slightly more differently where we're, we're trying to hit teams on the counter rather than effectively at the minute. We're just sitting deep and then punting along and it's not great to watch. But I kind of feel for him in a way that he has been missing some of his top players. I think the early promising signs we had this season against clubs, um, well, in the Norwich game, for instance, the Derby game, even in the cup against Bury, things like that. A lot of that came from Aidan McGeady. It came from him because, you know, that, that guy's got so much talent his ability to create chances is second on now a squad, I'd say. And, and, you know, ever since the international break, we've not had McGeady, and it's, it's kind of showed for me, I think, once McManaman went off the pitch yesterday, it handed Hull the advantage because he was our only outlet. He was the only player who looked capable of creating a chance for us. And as soon as he left the pitch, and we, I mean, we replaced him with Billy Jones, you know, that, I mean, we'll probably get into the subs later, but you've got to think, once, once a player like that's off the pitch, it must psychologically the the other team must think we're in here like, and that that's how I feel about things generally at the minute. I just think if the if we had players like Watmore in the team on the pitch and we're sitting deep away from home, they they're not going to go gun ho because they know what he's going to do if they leave him space. And at the minute we haven't got that, and I just feel we've maybe got to give Grace and some leeway on that. We've got to let him. We've got to let him. Well, we've got to certainly see what what this team players like and what the results are like once he has better players back fit and we have options from the bench because at the minute I, I do in a way feel a little sorry I think I think when you're looking at the bench to freshen things up when legs are tiring and you've got a player like Jack Rodwell coming on and you've got a player like Billy Jones coming on in place of your better players you know like McMahon and like I say was maybe our man the match yesterday and we're taking him off for a right back it just shows you what we've got in, in our ranks at the minute and it's although there's there's plenty to criticise Grayson Fawn, I think he certainly made mistakes yesterday. I mean, the big error was the substitutes, um, but I think I think we, you've just got to give him a, a little bit more time. I feel, and I, I know people said this about Moyes, and ultimately it turned out to be a bad thing. But this this man's not going to perform miracles overnight. And we just need to we need to really see what this team's capable of with with our better players back fit. I think. I just think you're being way too kind, to be honest. I mean. I, I see where you're coming from. And obviously, we, we talked about this on the show last week. As a coach, Grayson's someone who's very dependent on individual talent to get him goals. He's not somebody who does a lot of attacking coaching. And, and that's true. But I just think so much of our setup yesterday came directly from his instructions. I mean, the amount of times I went to watch the Spurs game on Wednesday, I got offered a half price ticket to watch Spurs Dortmund. And obviously, they're one of the best pressing teams in Europe. But the difference between how when one of them smells blood, the way their team springs out and attacks the opposition and tries to pin them in, and what we do is just laughable. And that was a game where Spurs at times had about 30% possession. There's a difference between being forced back and inviting the opposition on. And yesterday, throughout the game, even at nil-nil, we invited the opposition on. We were way too cautious. And it's something we haven't seen from Sunderland. You've said it yourself, Gav since Martin O'Neill. And that's just what this guy is. He's a cautious manager. Now, great if Watmore comes in. That's more individual talent. That gives us more of a chance. But if he sets out the team like that, it really doesn't matter who's playing. We're going to be a defensive team. We're going to be a team that's, that's sort of got the handbrake on, that's sort of handcuffed by our fear of losing. And, and yeah, he could do with more individual talent. Yeah, the squad isn't that deep. But you have to remember, it was his choice to bring on Billy Jones. No one says... Oh yeah, you've got you've got um, limited options off the bench. Don't put Joel Osorio on the bench. Don't give young players a chance. Bring on Billy Jones. He chose to do that. He chose to make that negative substitution. He's choosing to set us up in a cautious way that we don't have to do because our starting eleven is still roughly as good as 80, 85 percent of the teams in this league. This is a negative manager that's not suited to managing our football club. And you can say, oh, give him time because it's the done thing. Because in England, we don't normally sack managers before they've had six to nine months. But this is a guy who's just not suited to the job. He was a bad appointment and he'll be a bad appointment in nine months time, just like he was six weeks ago. And I think that's going to pan out. And as much as we want to be nice guys, as much as we want to be seen to be back in the manager, this guy's just not up to it. He's just not good enough. Uh, you make you make good points. I think I think there's a lot there's a lot in that which you can you can certainly take and apply to to our thinking. I guess I guess 
in in me as a as a fan, I want to I want to see this work. I want to see I want to see Grayson, you know, achieve something here because you know he's a likable person and he, he comes across well. And, and I can I can tell he really wants to make this work. I can tell he's enjoying being here. Um, and it's nice to see a Sunderland manager say the right things about how he wants the club to be, how he wants the team to play. But I agree, early signs, you know, aren't great. Tactically, he looks very, very um, out of his depth, I would say, at times. I think I think he's made some decisions already early on in the season, which have had me scratching my head, certainly. Um, but... I just guess it's the it's I, I, there is a part of us which is a bit of a happy clapper, and I just want to see the guy do well. Um, and I, I think I think the club will not um, will not you know sack him anytime soon. I mean, if we're bottom of the league at Christmas, they might think twice about him. Um, but you've got to remember they paid money for him, and this appointment was a big one. Certainly from a from an image perspective, they they had to get it right after the. The, the calamity that was our summer and the, the whole takeover situation where whereby you know Derek McInnes publicly turned us down and you know it was it was a big source of embarrassment for the fans and I think I just think they're going to be wary of sacking somebody so soon but uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out it, it, it's like anything football is funny it's a funny old game and Simon Grayson certainly knows there's pressure on him and I, I think it's starting to show in his press conferences through some of the things he says um, for instance I this week I took up the the Simon Sears feature on the on the on the site, which is effectively just us, you know, jotting down the the, the big talking points from the um, from the press conference before the game. And I'll be honest, I struggled struggled to listen to him because he was very very blank. I think he's I think he's keen not to give too much away to the to the press. Um, he doesn't want he doesn't want to really drop himself in it because I don't think he's the smartest guy, and he, he knows maybe. He has to just please cards close to his chest and you know, um, not reveal too much because there's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot going on within the squad. Um, the fact we have, well, what, what's that now? I think that's one win in our last seven. Um, that's got to be affecting morale around the place, and he's not going to want to talk too much about it. And it's his job certainly to to pick the players up. We were told before he came that his big, um, you know, his big positive, I guess, is that. He's so good at getting players playing for him. He's a very good man manager. Well, at the minute we're not quite seeing it, but like I say, I'm 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 hopeful that when we get a couple of players back, we might see a different side of him. But uh, I guess I guess that's a matter of opinions, isn't it? That's what makes us so brilliant. We're we're able to just just give our uh, give our own point of view on on things such as this. But the manager is certainly going to get time from the club. I think I think that he. He didn't come here. It only last a couple of months. They're they're going to stick by him through the season, I think, regardless. And uh, we might be in for a bit of disappointment. But I think if we'd asked anybody in the summer how the season might have panned out, they'd probably think that mid mid lower mid table is probably where we're going to be. And that's certainly where I see us. I don't see us getting relegated, but I see us um, certainly flattering to deceive, especially with the squad of players we've got. And I guess the sooner we accept that, the better, really, because. I don't think we're going to have a lot of say in what happens from now until the end of the season. We've just got to get on with it. Yeah, two very good perspectives from Jimmy and Gav. Um, and just to just to kind of get down to the, the the nitty gritty of Grayson's decisions, you've you've both kind of argued argued the toss over over kind of his broad tactical approach, whether you think he's very good or not. But there's a question from a Twitter one of our Twitter followers called Grant in real life. And it is, why do we persist, persist with Rodwell's new slate? He's proven that he's useless no matter what position he's played in season after season. And I tend to agree with that. Um, I, me and Gav went and saw Jack Rodwell play in the number 10 position for the under-23s against Tottenham. And I'm sure you'll agree, Gav, he just didn't he didn't influence the game at all there. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll throw this to Connor. And I think after that, we'll get on to some, some more positives from the uh, from the one-one draw, because there were some positives. So I'll throw this to Connor. Connor, what do you make of Jack Rodwell? Do you think it's time to just dispense with him and, and move on to a different a different option? I would quite like to see an under-23 um, player come in and, and take his, his place, because I think uh, somebody who'd appreciate it, who's hard-working, might, uh, might work a bit better for us than Jack Rodwell, who just doesn't really seem to, to give a toss at the moment. Well, he's... To put it blunt, he's dog shite. He's absolutely hopeless. He's came to the club. He's on, what, 60 grand a week. He was the big signing under Poirier, and he's just flattered to deceive the whole time. There was talk of him moving back to centre-back, and he was saying, oh, I see myself in future being a centre-back, and you thought, 
maybe give him a summer and he might turn into that player. Well, everything I've seen of him, he's, a, he's fragile. He, he doesn't do anything particularly good other than head of the ball. And there are so many players who can head the ball that, you know, you're not paying somebody 60 grand a week to literally just head the ball and then put in ridiculous slide titles and nearly get sent off. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have like a finish. He doesn't have a good passing. He can maybe do five-yard passes to the left and right. He's, he's just utterly, utterly hopeless. And I've always felt it from the day we signed him. I never liked him when he played for Everton. And when Man City played 15 million, I was laughing because I, was, I just thought it was a waste. Well, it was a Champions League spot, wasn't it? They wanted him to bring in a homegrown player to get in that Champions League squad at the time. And we ended up overpaying for him. Apparently, there was lots of teams after him. And, you know, we have overpaid because he's, he's been one of the, the main reasons as to why we're in this predicament. Players like Jack Rodwell, you know, have been the problem. The ones who are picking up their paychecks, pretend to care, but really they don't. You know, he could have took a voluntary pay cut. He could have even said, I'll donate half my pay to charity or something just to appease the fans. But he, he just wants to count his money, see out his contract. And they're just the sort of players that are, are vultures on the game. And, you know, and he's been that, you know, he's a promising young English talent when we signed him. And it doesn't look like he's tried to up his game. It looked like he thought, I'm, I'm too good for Sunderland. I was at Man City, didn't work out, but I'm too good for these and I'll prove it. And I'll just, you know, be half arsed and, and put out the dross that he has because he's, he's just never, ever shown any of the potential that people thought he had at Sunderland. I agree with, uh, with what you say there, Connor. Apart from the um, the donate is 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 wage to charity. I mean, it would be nice if he did that, but uh, I don't think um, any Premier League footballer is going to donate half of his wage to charity, no matter how good or bad his performance is. Gav, what do you make of uh, of Jack Rodwell? Where do you think we should go with him, uh, or where do you think he should go from now on? Um, I guess in a way, I. I see what Connor's saying about Rodwell in, in terms of his self perception, but I don't think I don't think he's particularly arrogant. He's not that type of person. I think Rodwell um himself would probably admit that um he's, I, I think he's lost his passion for the game. I was certainly told from people who work at the club last year that uh, that that's that's a known fact. He's he's been badly burnt by his his failures, and he's been badly burnt by the amount of injuries which he suffered over his career. Um, and he's kind of a footballer through necessity. Necessity. Um, and he he himself would probably admit that you know he's lost his hunger and his appetite because how do you recover really from being you know the most heralded young player? Um, of his of his you know era at the time he was he was you know the the next big thing at Everton brought through rapidly in the England ranks, um, you know got his big money moved to Manchester City, uh, caps for the yeah, say for his country and then and then to find himself playing the championship for Sunderland. I, I don't think he's the type of person who's going to you know see this as a chance to rebuild his career. I, I, I definitely think that Rodwell is very aware of the fan perception of him. He knows that, uh, you know, would rather not him not be here, you know, certainly that was made, uh, you know, we made that, that feeling felt when he was booed every time he touched the ball by certain members of the crowd uh, last weekend against Sheffield United. You just think he's got to know that we just don't want him here and that's going to affect the way you play. Um, but I just, I would, I would like to see Rodwell take this opportunity and, and prove to everyone really why we're all wrong about him and why, you know, he's still a very capable footballer because there is a reason that he was, you know, so highly rated. There's a reason he's played for England. Um, and it's certainly not because he's sitting on Sunderland's bench. It's because at one point he, he had the ability um, to, you know, change games, which is which is what he was able to do at Everton. And, you, you know, you see him play for us and you just think, where where's that gone really? I think it probably went with, with all the injuries. I think... You know, if if he could, he would probably retire now. Do you, I? I don't know what you lot think, but I reckon I, I've got I've got a feeling that once his contract's up here, he might he might just give up on the game. He might, you know, you see, you hear of these players who retire by the time they get to thirty, and they just they, they lose their hunger for it. And I I, I kind of feel like Rodwell that he could head down that path because you know he's been a failure at Manchester City. He's been a complete failure here. I would probably point him as maybe the most unsuccessful piece of transfer business we've ever had when you take into consideration, you know, the reputation he came with, the amount of money we've paid for him and what we've got back for him. And, you know, everybody talks up this this fact that he's only ever been 
in one start in 11 that's won a game at Sunderland um, that's got to weigh heavy on your mind and I just think he, Grayson can come out and tell us that I've told Jack that he's uh, this, that was his re-debut and this and that look we all know we all know the crack he's on 60 grand a week playing in the championship in fact he's on 60 grand a week in the championship and he's not playing games that often and when he is playing he's being met with utter despair and people just don't want to see him in a Sunderland shirt and I think that this is this goes back to the argument about Catamol, I guess. I guess the reason that Catamol we are suffering through not having options to replace Catamol and Rodwell's one of them because you bring him on the pitch and immediately everybody groans and everybody's, you know, looking for a way out really. And Rodwell if if we could shift him on now I would, but obviously we can't and that's what Grayson's maybe looking at. He's maybe looking at it from that perspective and thinking, Well, he's here and I've got to try and get the best out of him. What can I do with him? But I think he's done. I just think he's finished. End of. He reminds me a bit, Jack Rodwell, he reminds me a bit of uh, Seth Johnson from from years ago. He kind of came to prominence as a youngster. Big money move, couple injuries. It's never really happened and then ended up retiring early without fulfilling his potential. And I think it's a shame, but the injuries aren't an excuse anymore. He's had enough time to uh, to come back and uh, to start putting the, the wrongs right in his career. And he, he just doesn't seem motivated to do it. But nevertheless... We'll move on to some positives now because there were some in the game. We had Callum McManaman, who did well, and James Vaughan got his, uh, his first goal of his Sunderland career. Thank God. It's about time. Um, I'll throw this one to Jimmy. What did you make of McManaman's and Vaughan's performances? Because you especially, you've been a, a big critic of, of James Vaughan, probably rightly so as well. What did you make of it? Well, yeah, it was, it was great to see him score. He, he got himself into a good position. He took his goal well. Um, he had the other half chance where he hit the keeper's legs, but he, he works hard. It, it reminds me of watching, say, the Danny Graham or Josie Altador in a Sunderland shirt where you can see them and you can see they're trying. Actually, to be fair, he was a bit better than both of them. But, but there was some, it did remind me of that a bit where you've got a striker and we're just getting nobody close to them at any point where he's so isolated and it's such a thankless, difficult chance and creating such few chances for him. Your heart really does go out for him, and it was great to see him score. I think we're going to touch on this later. I would absolutely not play him against Everton. If he's on three, four bookings, he's too important. We don't have any other fit senior strikers. He can't get suspended. I wouldn't play him in that game. But, yeah, it was great to see him score. Hopefully he can prove me wrong and go on a run now. He did do well for Huddersfield briefly before getting injured in the championship. Where he where he was confident, where he'd gone up with Grayson, so hopefully he can go on a run now and he can really up it for Sunderland with McManaman. Yeah, it was great to see him play well. We're all hoping we see FA Cup final Callum McManaman here, and that wasn't a one-off game. And and yeah, he showed flashes. The cross was brilliant for the goal. That that second effort he had, the effort across goal, where he sold two players with that second dummy. I thought that was real class. I thought that was very very good, and a bit of skill that we don't often see from a Sunderland forward. So. Yeah, hopefully it can be the start of good things for both of them. Like I said, I've got my doubts about Vaughan, but I'm hoping I'm proved wrong. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying there. I think I think I've probably been James one of James Vaughan's biggest critics, and I think rightly so. Like I mean, he's played pretty much every minute of football since um since pre season, really, bar one or two games, and he's he's never looked like scoring, never mind. You know, I mean, he's not like he's missing a load of chances. He's just never looked like scoring. I think a lot of that's to do with the style of play, really. I mean, I spoke to a Berry fan who he's done a couple of bits for the site on Vaughan. Actually, he's you know he keeps in touch with us. Actually, he's quite keen to to uh, see how Vaughan does because Vaughan's obviously well liked at Berry, and they were sat the same leave. You know, obviously, twenty four goals is a lot, um, and there's a reason he was scoring goals last season, and it wasn't because he was playing target man, and it wasn't because he was winning flick ons for people. Um, it was because he was hanging off the shoulder of the last man. He was getting into dangerous positions. And I think Saturday was probably the first time I've seen him play like that. I mean, the the big issue with Vaughan, I guess, is that um, he hairs around the pitch a lot. And that's obviously reflected in the amount of yellow cards he's picked up all you know along the way. Um, but he's, he's a far better player when he's not thinking about winning headers and he's not thinking about, you know, laying other people on because I think we're not good enough really um, to just you know have one player up front doing that job, he, his job from now till whenever we get what more back in the team, I guess, uh, and grabbing is to score goals because we have no other strikers and 
Grayson's got to see that. He's got to see that with players like McManaman. I mean, McManaman was so good at the weekend for 45 minutes. I think he tired after half-time and it was like more of a case of he just hasn't played a lot of football and he's not really that fit at the minute. But, I mean, for 45 minutes of that game, at least Callum McManaman was probably the best player on the pitch and he, he has so much ability. You know, he, he beats his man with ease nine times out of ten and I, I, I like what Jimmy said there with the cutting inside and, and taking chances on. We don't tend to say that from Sunderland midfielders or, or wingers. So to see him even give a half a football like he did gives me enough um, promise to kind of expect that's going to get better once he's fit. Um, with a player like McManaman on the right and then you, you've got to think like Aidan McGeady on the left, there should be no excuses for any forward in this team not to score goals because those are two top wingers at this level. There's There's not many teams in this division have got two wingers as good as that, if any, have got, you know, the quality we've got out wide. So there's no there should be no excuses for the way our centre forwards not scoring goals this season. And it's a lot to do with movement, it's a lot to do with positioning. And I think it should should Vaughan play like he did on Saturday more often, of course he'll get goals because he found himself in the right place at the right time and he finished well. And that's all he should be doing. He shouldn't be worrying about bring people into play. We and, and as a team, we shouldn't be playing long balls up to them expecting to win everything. Because the last two games we've certainly shown that we have more ability in our team than that. To just expect that's all Vaughan is a lump. He's not big enough to win the majority of headers for a start. But you know, his movement's clearly very good. You do not score twenty four goals at any level if your movement's not good because you've still got to get on the end of chances and finish them. Now we've never seen really if he's a very good finisher because he hasn't been given chances or his, his movement hasn't been good enough to get into the positions to, to win chances. Um, and I just think, I think that going forward, Grayson and the team really, we need to build around Vaughan. We need to make sure that he's, he's getting enough chances because we aren't going to win any games really if, if our centre forward all he's good for is winning flick-ons and headers because we just don't have enough goals in our team really. And I, I, I hope, I hope and pray that he doesn't get himself another silly boogan coming up because if he does, that's a screwed really. We don't even have strikers in reserve capable of stepping in yet. Certainly not until Watmore's fit. So uh, just to touch on what Jimmy said, yeah, I think he probably has to drop out. He has to drop out against uh, Everton and maybe just have to try somebody else, even if it's just Lyndon Gucci. He's played there a few times for the under-23s. I mean... We can't risk him in a cup game. I mean, nobody's expecting us to beat Everton as bad as their form is, and we can't risk Vaughan getting another silly book and then being missing for the important one, which is the game at the weekend against Cardiff. We need him for that game. We need him for the next three or four games, really, and um, that's just maybe got to be drilled into him to stop stop flying around trying to make daft tackles at the top end of the pitch because he's getting himself booked a bit too much. But yeah, I mean, great, great t- corner turn really for Vaughan. I think he's you know. Let's give him a let's give him a chance now. He's the only striker we've got, and he's just scored. So let let's just be hopeful he can carry that run of form on. I think with Vaughan, I've I mean I came on the podcast um, when we first signed him. It was the Horny for Vaughan podcast we did, um, and I thought at the time it was a really bad signing. You know, he's a he's a League One player. He fell out the Championship for a reason. Uh, he, he used to rely on his pace when he was younger, but now he doesn't really have that. And you look at him; he's just a try hard. He's a he's a in the mould of a John Stead or a Danny Graham or an Altador, as uh, Jimmy said before. And we don't, I, th- I think it's just too one-dimensional. You know, we hit longer balls up to him, but nobody nobody really gets rounded together for the headers. And I think when Watmore gets back, Grayson will have a front three, probably of McManaman on one side, McGeady on the other, and Watmore through the middle. And I think that style of play will far suit him. him be- Grayson being quite a cautious manager, He'll probably look at it as right. We'll sit back. We've got three players though up front who are going to beat teams for pace, beat teams for skill, and really, really cause some damage in that final third. At the minute, the the ideal of having two really good wingers crossing a ball and getting a header into the the net, you know, it doesn't happen very often. It happened at the weekend, and that was the first time we really saw Vaughan is a, a threat inside the boxes when we got a good ball to him. But it's clear at the minute that we're not getting the good quality balls to him. And Vaughan doesn't have enough about his game other than running about the place and trying to get throw-ins and, and create a little bit of havoc within centre-backs. But he doesn't have that little bit of quality. He doesn't have that special something that most strikers in this division you know, have to have. You look at a player like Chris Martin at Derby. He's not the best, but he's more than a header. You know, he can finish, he can do that nice little bit of skill and get a good finish off. And, and Vaughan lacks that slight 
bit of quality that, that makes him not quite good enough for this level. Um, you can even see the difference between him and Graben. Graben just has something else that makes him better suited to this level. You know, there's not much difference between the two. Um, there's there's really not much difference between Graben and Vaughn. I think they're quite similar, but Graben just seems to have a little bit more, looks more capable of having that little bit of magic in the game. And I think that's the, the main thing uh, we lack with Vaughn at the minute. Uh, I think Watmore's going to be a really big help, though. I think people are maybe, some people are overestimating how good he'll be and some people are underestimating him, but I think he'll be really, really good when he gets back into the team because you'll you'll fit the system for me far better than what Vaughn or Graben does at the moment. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to uh to Duncan Watmore getting back. I think he played well for the under twenty threes the other day. I think he he won a penalty and scored it within the first the first ten minutes. Another Academy graduate we've been looking for that kind of midfield creative spark is George Honeyman. Um and I've kind of got mixed feelings on Honeyman because he was discounted uh, as a Sutherland player. People a lot of fans said that he did well to earn another year's contract. Um, but I think he's, um, he's he's done well. He's come through. He's worked hard at a time where we needed hard workers. And he's been messed around a bit in terms of his position as well. Grayson playing him at right wing back. At, obviously not not right for, for Grayson to play uh, an unexperienced right winger at right wing back. Um, so I think I, I quite like George Honeyman. Um, and the way he's come through, he's doing well. But I know he's got a lot of detractors as well. Jimmy, I don't know if you're one of them, but would you like to uh, express your thoughts on George Honeyman? I think I think you summed up well, actually, James. Mixed feelings. It's one of those where he does a lot of things well. There's a lot of weaknesses to his game as well. So it's it's yeah, hard to weigh it up. I mean, yesterday he did a good job, especially in the first half when we were under a bit of pressure, being the out ball. Him and Oviedo seem to have a good understanding. When he gets on the ball, he's good at keeping it. The issue with him is it's just his final pass. There are two or three times on the break where you're waiting for him to play that killer ball and he underhits it or say at Barnsley at nil-nil where he's got a 10-yard cut back to grab him to put us 1-0 up and he messes it up. He's just not quite cutting it as an attacking player in the team at the moment. But at the same time, we, we probably didn't sign him on that higher contract. It was a last-minute re-signing, sort of done around about April time. And it's one of those where you just kind of think if he was playing 20 games, if he was starting the odd game, if he was a sub you brought on when the team's 1-0 up to give us a bit of energy and bite, then he'd probably be absolutely fine. It's just at the moment we're asking an awful lot of him and he's just not quite delivering. And I think it is just literally his final ball. The other thing as well, I've never seen a professional footballer who looks more awkward when they have to put power on the ball. He scored that good goal, that controlled volley against Sheffield Wednesday. But whenever he has to put his foot through the ball, whether it's for a cross or a long-range pass, he just looks really, really awkward. And I wonder if anyone else has picked up on that, but I just think that's a real weird weak point to his game, which is especially glaring when we play him out wide. But I think he'd be fine if he was playing one in three games, if he was a squad player or a sub. But in the role he's filling at the moment, he's not quite good enough for what we need, but I wouldn't hold that against him too much. Yeah, I agree with you. It's um, it's a big ask to rely on a, a kid with um, not a lot of experience of first team football. Gav, what do you make of George Honeyman? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what everything what's been said so far. I just wonder really what Grayson will do once he has players like McGeady and what more fit, and then you know he, he looks to Honeyman and wonders what to do with them. Because if you look at his team selections, certainly since the season started, Honeyman's probably been one of the most ever present. I'm not sure who in the squad's played more football than Honeyman, but he certainly it certainly feels like he's played the majority of minutes in every game. And like I say, he's been messed around a lot in the positions he plays. He's not a right wing back. He's more of a number 10 or a right winger. Yet we've seen him played on the left. We've seen him played deep in the middle. We've seen him all over the park, really. And that, 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 that trying to adapt to play a different position is going to obviously affect the outcome of his performances. I think he's got a decent touch. I like the way he links up with players and always wants the ball. That's always been something I've liked about George Honeyman, even since he was a young player playing in the youth sides. I've always thought that about him. When a player like Aidan McGeady's breathing down your neck, you don't have too much time left in the team. Um, he's he's a good player, but he's that's all he is. He's a good player. He's all right. He, he's, he's neat and tidy and he moves the ball well, but he's he's not really got an end product, which is what you would certainly say McGeady's got is when McGeady plays, the first thing he's going to try and do is beat his man and put a cross in the box, which is not what Honeyman brings. He's very much about his work ethic, um, which is what I see for a lot of these young players that we've got. I mean, Lyndon Gooch is another one who who's come on the last couple of games and I'm not really sure what he's really doing. He's, 
he's a grafter who doesn't have a great deal of pace and that's about it. He's not a he's certainly not got what I would say that that bit of extra special quality. Um and I, I think the same with Honeyman in a lot of this, a lot of cases, I think that the two of them are maybe the type of players you would bring on when you're comfortably ahead in the game and it's like, right, well we're two or three nil up. Um let's bring on one of the young lads to while the pressure's off to express themselves. I certainly see that as being where they're at. It's probably why the the, the impress so much in pre season and Hunter Gucci against Carlisle, for instance, best player on the park, but in, in a game where there was very little pressure on him to defend or very little pressure on him to, to take on a good, you know, a good team. I think that's maybe where they stand out a little bit more. And it goes back to this this feeling I've had for a long time with some of these young players. Really, they shouldn't be playing in our first team. They should be maybe on loan at League One or League Two sides. Um, earning the stripes down there and then coming back to Sunderland a more well-rounded player having played at a level that's more suited to them I think certainly in the case of Gucci and maybe in the case of Honeyman they may be just not quite right for the championship just yet and playing through necessity and as more players come back and as you know the likes of Watmore back in the team McGee say um, you might just see Honeyman drop off the, off the scope a little bit and maybe just Maybe just sit on the bench and come on when, as and when, really, which is probably what he's best for in our squad at the minute. I think the problems we've got at the minute with Sunderland youth players is number one, they all seem to play without a personality, and you know you'll probably think that sounds a bit weird, but all the players look like they can do nice short five, ten yard passes and do a little bit of skill. They can get past a man, but they don't have any real identity to the game you know we look at Gooch and Honeyman is quite interchangeable and similar players that play kind of a similar position and what would you say one does better than the other and you wouldn't really know and it feels like the coaching for the players is more they've been coached to play a certain way but they've taken out maybe the ingredient that brought them their attention in the first place we even saw this historically with players like James McLean He, he didn't improve as a player while he was at Sunderland you know he's obviously a good footballer good at taking on players but we we didn't coach him to be that next level and I feel we're doing the same right now and I don't even know if it's the same academy staff that are there but it feels like all the youth prospects we have seem to play in a very very similar manner you know good footballers but nothing really else to their game in terms of Honeyman's performances recently I think one of the the main problems is he's played a lot of football you know and this is his first proper professional season uh, and he's playing at a, a high level he's playing in the championship and you, you can't expect players unless they're very good to you know play consistently every week and play well he played very well against Bury. he really started the season very 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 well and I was a big fan of his early doors but he, he slowed down recently and I just think he needs to be you know taking out the, the limelight a little bit for a few weeks and then you know introduce him as a sub for the last 20 minutes instead of focusing more attention on him because he, he is looking like a problem in the team at the minute. He isn't offering much. Defensively, he's average at best. And I think when McGeady gets fit, Honeyman will, as Gav said, he'll, he'll drop into being a, a bit bot sort of squad player at best. Um, I mean, I hope he does better because I do like him. I love seeing a young prospect uh, getting in the team. But I don't know. I just, I've not seen enough in the last 10 games since the season started to suggest that he's going to be a main part of the first team. I think you make some good points there, Connor. And a lot of the uh, the young kids that do come through, maybe with the exception of Duncan Watmore, do look like they've had the individuality or the kind of the kind of flair coached out of them a little bit. Um, but that's a, a debate for another time. So we'll look forward now to the Everton game. We've got Everton in the FA Cup. We play Cardiff in the Championship. After that, personally, I'm more concerned about the Cardiff game. I think we, we really need to win that, especially given that... Um, Half of my family are Cardiff fans as well, including my dad and my brother. So if we lose that, it'll not be a very happy time for me. So we'll go to Connor on the Everton game. What do you think expectations should be? Do you think we should just play a B-side and look forward to the Cardiff game? Or do you think we should take this a bit more serious? I'm kind of two minds. I never want to say, you know, throw the game. Like People will be like, throw the game, doesn't matter. Play the reserves, get beat 3-0 and then move on to the weekend. Because... That sort of attitude is what is the problem with a lot of football teams. But on the flip side, if we do play a full team and, I don't know, like James Vaughan gets booked and we get a couple of injuries, then it's not going to be worth it. But we need to look at the game on Wednesday as a chance to build momentum. I think, you know, we've not won many games this season. And 
we've got a chance to win a game against Everton, who are playing really poor. And I think the confidence boost the players would get from beating them would far outweigh the downfalls of us playing and you know maybe picking up a Bugan. Because if we can go there and put in a good performance, then the confidence will come. Lawson, what do you make of the uh, the Everton game? I'd I'd throw it like I get where Connor's coming from and any other season when we're a Premier League team and we only play 38 games and we're suffering and we're down the bottom the cup runs a good break I just think with the championship fixture overload the thinness of our squad our injury problems already I think I think it's got to be like Carlisle it's got to be nine or ten changes Galloway in the other centre-backs back in Donald Love back in just just yeah I'm completely fine with throwing the game the, the championships, the most important thing. Grayson's bad enough that he's dragged us towards a relegation battle. We need to take every effort we can to make sure we're right for Saturday. If that means losing three or four nil to a average Premier League team, I can live with that. Gav, what do you think we should do for the uh, the Everton game? Um, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much in the same school of thought as Jimmy. There, I think that there's a lot of changes need to be made. Um, particularly because we're playing so badly in the league that just stresses the importance of keeping our best players fit really and risking them in a game we're expecting to lose um, in, a, in a competition that really we should have no interest in when, you, when you're playing as badly as we are in the league. Um, we, we just have to make those changes. I, I was thinking maybe Steele comes back in and goal. Um, like like Jimmy said, Galloway back in at left back, Billy Jones at right back. Um Donald Love maybe in the centre of midfield like he did against Carlisle, uh, bringing O'Shea um, centre-half. I would maybe give, maybe think about giving um, Tom Beadlin a game because he, he did play well the other week for the under-23s and watching him. I think maybe he's the type of player we should be trying to give chances to in the cup games. He, you know, he's of the right age and he's um, been out on loan, played for Berry last season, for instance. Um, so let's give the kid a chance, even though it's against good opposition. Um I like we said earlier about bringing in a youth player to maybe replace Rodwell. Uh, I was thinking maybe someone like Ethan Robson or Embleton would get a start in this game in the centre of the park with with maybe Gibson. So their energy would be nice alongside him just to give and Don Catamull the rest they need. Uh, Lyndon Gooch probably coming up top, although he's not a great centre forward. He has played there, so you would like to think if we're giving him his chance and he does well, then he might push for a start at the weekend. You never know. Um, so there's certainly there's certainly options there. We just have to be mindful of the fact that this is a game we we should really have no interest in. I know the manager will never come out and say that he doesn't want to do well in a competition. He'd rather focus one or the other. But I think when you when you look at where we are in the division, 21st place, one place above relegation, which is, I mean, it doesn't count for much at this stage of the season. But certainly, the longer our losing streak and our our inability to to win games in this division goes on, the more pressure ramps up on him and the more it looks likely that we're going to struggle. So we have to focus all of our attention on the weekend and really ensure that these players are ready to play against a very strong Cardiff side who've done very well already this season. They've got a manager who, I mean, I've got a lot of time for Neil Warner. I know some people don't, but I think as a championship manager, there's nobody better. Um, He's been to Sunderland a million times, knows exactly what it's like to play here knows exactly how to set teams up, knows exactly how to play against a team who are struggling to form at home. Um, he's got his players playing for him and the, the, I put them in the same bracket as Sheffield United, really. I put them in that bracket of a, t- a team who are greater than the sum of their parts. They've got some very good players, but as a collective unit, very difficult to beat. Um, whereas Everton midweek, I'm honestly not bothered. Like I don't care what happens in that game. I don't care what happens if we win, lose or whatever. Just get the game out of the way. Get the game out of the way. Let the let the younger players and some of the fringe players maybe have some football and really put that to one side and just focus on the important stuff, which is this weekend against Cardiff. Yeah, I think I agree with that, or most of it anyway. And looking looking to the Cardiff game um, at the week, uh, looking to the Cardiff game after the Everton game. Sorry, I'd like to throw a question to. I think we'll go with Connor first. You know, if if things don't go so well against Cardiff, given that Warnock's a, a shrewd operator and Cardiff have been playing well, they've got some good players like Zahor and such. Like, where do you think Grayson goes from there, Connor? Do you think we uh, we we keep him, or do you, do you think there'll be a, a bigger backlash? What what do you think will happen? How do you see it? I think, fortunately for Grayson, a lot of the anger hasn't been directed at him. It's It's been more directed at the ownership, um, more directed even at certain players. So he, although he is getting a lot of attention, and he is under pressure, 
I think most of the anger is going to be directed towards the ownership. You know, if we lose against Cardiff, people aren't shouting Grayson out. Even at the weekend, the fans were chanting Grayson's name during the whole game. The, the fans are going to be going short out, you know, and that, that's where we are now. Uh, the problems are bigger than the manager. It does, I, I know Jimmy's obviously a big detractor of Grayson and, and doesn't think he's he's big enough for the job, but you can't blame managers for 10 years about your problems. We've had one constant and it's been an owner. It's going to be the one that will feel the backlash if we do lose against Everton midweek and then have a disappointing defeat against Cardiff at the weekend. Yeah, I think Connor's right. I mean, I, I know I sort of, well, yeah, no, I do. I do really feel that Grayson's not good enough, that he shouldn't be our manager. But I don't see that changing anytime soon. Like Gav said, we actually paid money to get him, so therefore invested in him as a manager. And I think, like Gav said as well, if it comes around to Christmas time, then maybe we move on from him and maybe that's when he does go. But unless we're in a relegation zone or in and around a relegation battle then and things haven't improved, He'll definitely get the time. So it's just up to him to find a way to get us to play coherent attacking football. Maybe we still rely on the individuals. Maybe Aidan McGeady comes back and that's when we see an upturn in our fortunes. But Grayson will get time. And maybe that's what's so frustrating about how negatively he's approached football matches is that he's in a position to, to succeed here. And he just seems to be reverting to type, reverting to his worst habits. And it's, it's really holding the team back. But the thing is, as Gav said, there, there's not much difference between this Cardiff team and, say, a Sheffield United team. All the teams in the championship are fairly evenly matched. So we've got a good opportunity to go and turn things around against Cardiff. So let's just hope that we can be a bit more positive, that playing at home will force us to be a bit more open, to press a bit more, and that we can turn it around then. Very good points by both. Just just to hark back to, uh, to the whole game, actually. I thought that um, it was a bit strange the, uh, to go back to the Billy Jones and the, the Rodwell substitutions. If you if you cast your minds back to uh, to Derby, Grayson had you know real attacking options on the bench in Kasri, and he refused to bring them on because he wanted to keep that kind of solid defensive unit because the game was quite close. And with the game being so close against Hull, I'm surprised that he kind of broke in that kind of tradition he's had and. Kind of really wanted to to shoot the shoot the defense up. He's just he's kind of surprised me. And you know I I, I like Grayson, but I'm starting to come around to Jimmy's point of view. I think maybe he is a little bit out of his depth, and I think we're starting to see some some of that in the kind of erraticness in the pattern of some of his uh, his decisions. Um, and I hope that theme doesn't continue against Cardiff, because as I say, if we lose to Cardiff, my life won't be worth living. Gav, how do you think things will go? Um, I'm I'm quietly confident we might not get embarrassed, um, but I'm not I'm not just sure this team's got to win in them at the minute. I just think the confidence is so low um, that when you're playing a team who are playing well and you're trying to sit off them at home, the crowd are going to get frustrated and we're going to make mistakes. And I just I just hope that the the positives from the the game at the weekend, obviously the the few and far between, between, but there were some, you know, we didn't play all that bad up until the point we conceded. Um, I just hope they can build on it and maybe look at it as a, you know, a new starting point as if, you know, look, uh, we, we've had a bad run, but so what? The season's early. Um, let's, let's kick on from here really against, against a good side and prove to the home fans that we really are in this for the long haul and that we've got, a, we've got the ability to take this team up the league. Um, the players have got to be more sure of themselves. They've got to take more risks, I think. I think that's the one thing I've noticed with this Grayson team is that nobody, bar McManaman at the weekend and bar McGeady in them opening few games was taking any risks. Um, it would be nice to see, I, I don't suspect that Catamore will get dropped, but it would be nice to see one of him or Ndong just maybe show some impetus and maybe like it's it's frustrating when you're watching and dong and he gets around the box and the whole crowd shouts shoot because they know that he's in a decent position to maybe try from range and he never does and it would be nice to this you know even if the manager just sits him down and says look I need you to, to contribute more going forward I know you're primarily a, a ball winner but let's let's get up the field and when you're in a shooting position don't be scared to take shots on because it's not just about scoring from range it's about the rebounds and the little deflections and flicks and getting corners and things like that like it, it's not always about scoring with that first shot. It's about what can we get from that? Can it put us in a better footing? Can we get a set piece? Um, 
until our centre midfield players start contributing in that way, it's difficult to say us beating anybody. And I think you know you look at the fact we haven't con- we haven't kept a clean sheet since the season uh, began. You look at the fact that we're conceding so many goals at silly moments in the game, like late on the last two games in particular, we've conceded late on in the game. Um, you look at stuff like that and you think, well, clearly the confidence is very low and we're maybe expecting a little bit too much of them at this stage just to be able to even beat a team like Cardiff, who, like I say, greater than some of the parts, very good side who've started the season well, probably will be up there in the playoffs come the end of the season. And Grayson really has is, is now got a, you know, like like Jimmy says, he's got very little pressure on him when you think about just how how he came to the club and the fact we paid money and the, the owner and the and the CEO are obviously very much behind him. Why not just try and be a bit more expressive at home? Because if we, we, we've, you look at that, how many times have you heard somebody say, just look at our team on paper, that's a good side. Well, on paper, it counts very little. But those players, the majority of them have played Premier League football, the majority of their careers for a reason. And it's about time they started playing like a good championship side. It's 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 not good enough sitting back against teams who are inferior to us in personnel. We need to start getting our foot on the ball and we need to start winning games through attacking through the midfield, getting chances to the striker. It's it sounds so basic, but we haven't done it really uh, since the season started. And I think I think this weekend is the time to do it because Cardiff, as good as they are, are, are they're going to be aware of how bad we've been at home recently and. They they need you know they need when they need them to come and not to expect what's coming at them really which is going to be a Sunderland team uh, throwing wave after wave of attack at them and maybe you know even winning the game in the first half get go going to half time two 0 up like that's not beyond the possibilities there because we have players capable of scoring goals we're just not we're not I don't know what it is something's just not working it's not clicking but let's see how it pans out I think I think it's going to be a long old season and I think. Games like the one at the weekend will define where we end up. We have to win. That's pretty much it. Um, it's it's no good throwing away leads anymore. It's no good. It's no good losing uh, poor teams. We have to win. This this home crowd has not seen a home win since last year, and that hoodoo has to end eventually. And I'm just crossing everything, hoping that it, that's against Cardiff at the weekend. One of the uh, one of the players that could be responsible for Asgav says uh, getting us up the pitch and getting a couple of goals hopefully by half time uh, before half time against Cardiff could be Johnny Williams. Now I quite like Johnny Williams in his debut against Sheffield United. Um, I sat next to Connor actually, who's on the podcast tonight, and um, he's a I'm half Welsh myself, and Williams is a Welshman, so I kind of have a, a bias towards him. Um, and I was I was singing his praises every time I got the opportunity, probably undeservedly so at times. But um, I think he's 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 come on and done well for us. And I think given a few more games to bed in, he could prove a real key player. I know Connor that you're coming around to my kind of point of view at the moment. What do you make of Williams in his early his early Sunderland career? Well, uh, the game you were I can't even remember who we were playing. It was the, before the Forest game, anyway. And you are sat there and you're like, oh, this lad's good. He's going to be good. I've seen him play for Wales. And he, he really flattered to deceive for the whole game for me. He often hit long passes. He, oh, Sheffield United, that was the game. The Sheffield United game, he often hit long passes. Um, and they were just going out of play. He wasn't hitting the man. And there was little bits that I liked. He was able to take on a man. He had nice little touches, but I just thought he looked like a player who hadn't played um, football for a while. And obviously that's that's was the case because he looks far better against Hull at the weekend. He seemed to get up the pitch, particularly in the first half, quite well. Um, he did. It just looks a confident player at this level. He looks very tidy and I think he will add goals to his game. He's only scored two goals in his career so far. I think he's played over 100 games, um, which is a concern. But I honestly think when I see him play and if he can get a run of games behind him, I think there's goals in him because yeah, I think he gets in the right sort of areas as well. And when he gets used to playing with them central midfielders as well, if it is Catamol, Gibson and Dong, um, he's playing that position just behind the striker, I think it's going to be best for him going forward. I think he'll be a real, real asset for it. I can certainly see why there was such praise around him you know, five or so years ago when he was coming through at Palace. Um, he's a real talent. A really good like, I think Copley made a good point in terms of that, yeah, he is somebody that we were excited about when he came in. He's somebody who can act actually link between the midfield and attack and Gav sort of talks about the lack of goals in our midfield if he can be that go-to guy to go change the whole team together that's really going to help us my one concern yep like you said Connor his his stats aren't great his, his basic stats anyway in terms of goals and assists aren't great throughout his career and you'd hope that 
we'd maybe see a bit more end products from him. And that's that's ultimately going to be what makes or breaks whether or not it's a successful transfer for us is whether he can actually play that killer pass, get assists, get goals. But he's a good technical player. He's a player who encourages us to pass it around more. He's going to potentially get us up the field. So hopefully he can carry on. It was another mixed bag against Hull, but he's definitely a player who's moving in the right direction, who's got a fair amount of ability and, and we need good, talented footballers here. So hopefully... He continues that on against Cardiff and he can score against a team from his country. Well, yeah, let's let's hope he does and let's hope this kind of uh, negative feeling around the stadium and around Sunderland can can disperse and we can beat Cardiff. I, I really am. I can't stress enough how how uh, desperate I am to beat Cardiff. I, I really gave my dad a lot of stick when we beat them. I think it was 4-0 at the Stadium of Light. Um, I, I took a, a, a video of Berini's penalty. I sent it to all my Welsh family. Um, so I, I kind of feel like I've got this coming to a sense that uh, I, I feel like we might, we might get beaten and, and it might be a bit of karma. But let's hope not. Um, but Warnock is a shrewd operator, so you never know. Anyway, thank you for joining us tonight. We are on iTunes. We're on YouTube and Acast. We're also on Facebook and we're also on Twitter. I've been James Copley standing for demo tonight. Thank you very much and I'll catch you next week. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.